and welcome to Your Ageless Musical Brain, episode 11. My name is Lucelena, and my very special guest today is Mike Waters, the original fitness director at Timber Hill Athletic Club. His focus has been health and wellness through the lifespan. He's an adult health educator at Fitness Over 50 and has created program models for older adult health and wellness programs. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucy. A pleasure to be here. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you, Mike, for being on the show. So, Mike, you've been very proactive through the years in the fitness industry, keeping up with the research studies, the different stages the fitness industry has gone through with relation to the heart and fitness, and now the brain and fitness. Tell us about your Exercise <clears throat> is Medicine one-on-one program at Fitness Over. 50. Well, first off, we have to go back in time. I was in this from the beginning. In the 70s, if you wanted to go into any kind of fitness, it was teaching uh, school PE. And I really didn't want to do that, but I had a mentor at San Jose State University in San Jose, California, that talked about this new era of adult fitness. And they were starting up a kind of an interdisciplinary uh, graduate degree program in exercise science. So I signed off on it. In the beginning era, it was exercise as medicine. So all the coursework, the curriculum in the graduate degree program, American College of Sports Medicine. I worked for the YMCA. We had our own exercises medicine program. So in the beginning, we were going to be a partner with the medical system to help people be healthy through exercise and eating better. Okay? That was the beginning. So when I first uh, worked for the Y, I worked cardiac rehab. We did what was called exercise prescription. So let's say you came to see me and and I would do a fitness evaluation on you, aerobic capacity, strength, flexibility, the whole thing. Today, it's much more complicated, complicated and it's done by computer. I would find out your level and I would give you an exercise prescription. Then it was based on heart disease prevention because in the 70s and the 80s, heart disease was huge, particularly for men in this country. Women caught up later. And that's a whole nother uh, story to talk about that. That. But so that's how I started out. And so my expertise in my graduate work at American College of Sports Medicine was heart disease prevention. Since then, in the later 90s, early 2000, cancer has shown up as part of an exercise as medicine type platform as well. And on LinkedIn, I'm connected with a lot of people in exercise that work with cancer patients. So we're, we're delighted to see that, how it's grown from there. Yeah, so that's how I got started. I keep up to date with the cardiologist, what's going on, why are marathon runners having heart attacks and, you know, what we're not immune from this and the whole thing. So I keep up, I try and keep up with the data and what's going on with that because that's been part of my passion and my work in the exercise part of my work. So fitness programs for adults have changed since now research is more complex in relation to the brain and fitness. Right, right. It's I call it the final frontier because when I talk to groups, I said, we can do a heart transplant, but I don't know of anybody right now who can do a brain transplant. 
what I've learned in working with older adults that work, maybe have family with dementia or some sort of cognitive diseases, neurobiological diseases like Parkinson's, that is almost better to have a, to deal with a disease from the neck down than to have a, a brain type disease. Because once you have that, then it's full. I've seen people in memory care units that have Alzheimer's that are that are very healthy from from down, but they basically have lost their minds. And it's wow. it's absolutely frightening to see that kind of thing. And I don't know how it is back where you are nationally, whoever listens to this, but here in Lynn Benton County, here in Oregon, the fastest growing businesses in elder care are memory care units growing like crazy. What about neurobiology in relation to neuroscience? Well, they actually connect. For a long time in the medical realm of things, doctors were trained in what's called the reductionist model, meaning if I had a pain in my stomach, that's where it was treated. Joseph Ledoux and professors in, in neurobiology research, where the brain connects with the rest of the body, we began to see that we're, a, we're it's a holistic, where it's a s- systemic process of how the brain is connected to the rest of the body. And then more recently is the gut-brain access yes, works I've together. Heard. So the gut has become the next frontier of research in the microbiome and how it connects with the brain. And it, it's just fascinating. I want to say this respectfully, it's hard for the average person to understand this. If they're treating an issue, sometimes there are physicians, there are specialists in, in neurobiology, like up at up north here in Portland at Oregon um, Health Sciences University. There are researchers that understand all this and help people with people that have the brain-gut access health issues. But it, it becomes very complex, and it's hard when somebody sees their general practitioner to to understand that. But hopefully the, the level of general practitioners in the country are beginning to understand that there are experts out there, just like in orthopedics or just like in heart. Right. As cardiology became better, general practitioners go, okay, I need to see like what's popular now is what we call electricians, cardiologists who work on AFib, rhythm disturbances, things like that. So cardiology improved. The same thing with the neurobiology part of it is that experts that are more uh, research-based in that understand that the treatment. Now we're talking about prescription medications besides, you know, personal wellness. So yeah. it is improving. I speak a lot to retired groups here in Corvallis. I'm going to be doing a talk to the Oregon State University Retirement Group, first of 24. What I jokingly say to them is there's never been a better time to have these issues because modern medicine is learning how to take care of us. So, yeah. But it's a it's an interesting debate. Is it are we letting people suffer too long? But that's a whole yeah. different conversation. What do you think about the modern discoveries focused on using more and more movement, such as aerobics? Since you're in the fitness as a, as a Latin American, I think about music just changes my whole state. It does, right? Yeah. What do you say to individuals nowadays? Do you think that it's more about thinking preventive and moving more? Well, what I do, so I take a little bit different approach is, so I do two things. It's find your exercise personality. Mm. So when we talked last, you told me, I like to move to music. Okay. I like to run. I'm very linear in that way. So we talk about linear and nonlinear approaches to improving our whole physiology, including, including the brain. In my talk, so when I say finding enjoyment in the exercise experience, see, I don't talk about the benefits. We know about the benefits. There's enough stuff on LinkedIn, you know, and so 
social media, it's talked about, you know, we know that. Okay, what I what I want to try and help people do, younger people, even older people, is find something you enjoy doing. When I reported to you, when I was still at Timber Hill Athletic Club, we had over 85 hours a week of group exercise classes, which means a lot of music mm, and there are systems in the country that make music for health clubs big clubs small clubs whatever and they use musicologists that understand how the brain functions with rhythms and movements and when i was talking to you about that your eyes lit up because you <laughs> yourself experience that so i talk about that because i'm trying to get people in the audience whether it's it's live virtual whatever i want to trigger to them hey there's something I, I enjoy doing that. I need to get back to doing that because they don't think of it as a workout. See, they think of it as pleasure or, or having fun. Right. Exercise can be fun. So what I try and do is connect the dots for people in you know helping them find a way to movement, to, to improve their brain, create the dendri- dendrite. The physiology of the brain is very similar to the cardiovascular physiology. The tau plaque is very it's very similar to heart disease. We're all connected. It, it, it yeah. all makes sense. But that's what I try and do is get people to find that way of doing it. And what I find is when I talk about movement, whether it's looking at a you know something on TV or class or going to a Group X studio with music, more people respond to that than me telling them to go to a gym and getting you know get on an elliptical or treadmill type thing. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we need to create more awareness. I've had guests on the show saying the same about enjoyment. What you enjoy doing is healthy and you're not aware of how healthy it is and how good it is for the brain as opposed to doing an activity that although you're moving, you're being told by others that it's right. good for you, but yeah. deep inside there's something that's missing, which is exactly. that joy that might create some level of stress. Let me say this. I think this is really important for people who listen. It's like, so I was trained as exercise as medicine. When I opened up Timber Hill Athletic Club in 1980, I ran that place like a clinic. It wasn't fun. It was very linear, very prescriptive. And I've, as I matured through the years and looked at the data and watched people that quit, you know, it wasn't working. And I looked at the data. And so we went into the era of health psychology and motivation and things like that. I began to change and look, I don't care what one does, just do it. It doesn't have to be prescriptive. You don't have to have a Fitbit. You don't have to have an Apple Watch. Just get out there and move. Just get out there and do it and find something that you enjoy. So I really shifted from how I was trained initially into let's get more. It's more important than we get 40% of the population more moving than just you and I doing it for everybody. You deal with different age groups. You talk about lifespan. So you deal not only with young adults, Gen Z, but also mm-hmm. baby boomers. Mm-hmm. So could you elaborate more on that? We, When I was at Timber Hill, we had the uh, Hewlett Packard uh, worksite health promotion contract. We were we were out there for 14 years. I was starting to learn about gen- different generations, what they're interested in. I said, if I had to do it again, what I know now, I would my programming would be geared for the employees, gen- different generations, and what they're interested in. 
because there was a lot of data coming out in, in again, health psychology, exercise psychology. Notice I say in psychology. Yeah. Not physiology, psychology. Yeah. You know, young people like to snowboard. They like to, you know, that kind of exercise. And every generation is different. The Also through lifespan and the various stresses. We grow up. We go, you know, go to school. We get a career. We stop doing health. Disease starts to accrue. Between the ages of 40 and 50 are the biggest years of a disease in heart, cancer, all the risk factors, chronic disease, those are the biggest years because we're working. But again, those are the peak years of our career path. So I tie all those things together. And what's interesting at Fitness Over 50, most of the people that I visit with out there are retired. They're retired professors, faculty, engineers. I see a lot of people I knew from HP. A lot of them didn't dedicate the time while they were working on their their health. They they kind of came and went with it a little bit, but yeah. now they have that time. So what I've learned is it's never too late. Just like dancing. Right, right. You know, even if you're in your 70s, it's amazing. This is something that 50 years ago was unheard of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, and that's exciting because it one when I look through my history or mortality, it's like if you were a male in your mid 40s, I have a son that age, and you were at high risk for heart disease, your lifespan prediction was much lower and how all that's changed. Now, it's because of modern modern medicine. So we talk about living with chronic disease and it's treating. And again, some of my peers don't like this, but the, the fact remains is there's some people genetically where they're going to have to do lifestyle health and they're going to have to be on meds. Mm-hmm. Very, It's very common. I, with all the marathons I ran, things like I would be with runners who were on a blood pressure med. It's just a reality. And it troubles me when I get these people, you know, a lot of them are LinkedIn that say, well, you ne- you don't need to be on med. That's not real. That's not the real in population health. Population. But yes, I follow young people. I don't even saw middle age, but you know, middle age is is like 60s now. You know, I follow them through the lifespan and my message, my curriculum, if you will, how I approach them is all based on where they're at right now. Let's say you had me do some talks with certain groups in your area and I'd say, Lucy, what age range am I going to be speaking to? See, it used to be how many women, how many men. Most talks I've done through the years, it's been more women than men. From the beginning, from the beginning when I started with the YMCA in 1975, women have always been more interested in health and wellness than men. Now, at Fitness Over 50, it is neat to see a lot of men coming in there. You know, they got the message. If I want quality of life, if I want to go to games, if I want to travel, if I want to play with my grandkids, I, I have to take care of myself, okay? exactly. which is interesting, too, because in lifespan health, we talk about the ego. And I'm going to talk about that with these students next week. The ego plays a big role in this. OK. And sadly, what we do when we're young, we're athletic. It's human performance. How fast can we run? How much can we lift? But that's a fleeting moment that goes away. And then what happens is, like I said, when you get into the work world, go to school, maybe have a trade. Your physiology changes, but your mindset and your ego are the same. I jokingly said, I had a, a couple orthopedic doctors I knew here in Corvallis. I go, you guys are in the right spot because men's recreational basketball, co-ed softball are these groups of people 25 to 35 and they're always getting hurt mm. because of the ego. We have to let the ego go. Wow, interesting. I have finally let my ego go. I ran a lot of marathons. I ran them faster, everything. I can't do that now. 
I've had to slowly let the ego go. So the ego is very big in all of this, but we don't talk about it enough in health and wellness. We, we just don't talk about it enough. Mm, yeah. I, I'm wondering if ego gets in the way of joy. It does. This is what I'm glad you brought this up because when I do a talk, I'm talking about find your exercise per- personality, find joy in what you do. I kind of, when people come up and go, thank you, you've kind of allowed me to let go of, I thought I had to kill myself to do it. It was painful. That's why I don't go to X gym or that's why I don't do this. I, we messed it up. It's the wrong message. It's totally wrong. I'm connected with some health coaches on LinkedIn and the good work they're doing. We're trying to change the narrative of what this is. You don't have to right, kill yourself. Right. You don't have yeah. to you know, use the metaphors. I'm trying to make the team. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make the traveling squad because I come from the athletic mindset. But for the general population, no, let's enjoy this. Let's move. Right. Let's have fun. It's, it's what creates joy. Yes, yeah, because yeah, I've, yeah. I've been reading a lot about happiness. Other guests in my show talk about the importance of joy. Release yourself from inhibitions, let go, and you just connect to your senses and connect to what that feels like. And what I learned out at HP, so I was there during the good times, and I knew upper managers that had everything, money. And some would tell me their exercise was the best part of their day. And that's mm. where I learned money Money is everything. And there was a shift in the corporation. And I had one guy come in my office, shut the door. He says, if I get let go, I'm screwed. He had so many, a summer home, uh, debt, kids in college. There was no happiness. So I started looking into the research of happiness and life satisfaction and added that into my talks. Is that, that That's important because yeah. I knew myself running... And the cohort I was with, it made him happy. Or the people that were taking aerobics and music, they were happy. That was, yeah. that was the key. The energy that builds in our bodies and stays there. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Mike, it's been so interesting to have you on the show. I hope that we have these talks very soon. There's a lot of information that we still have yeah. to share. I love this. Yes, Thank yeah. you, Mike. Thank you, Lucy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.